Hello. If you are in touch with our Grace News, also known as the E-Blast, each week on Tuesday, you would have seen we are continuing the Second Corinthians series this week, and uh, Gary is not with us. Instead, you saw the name Gabe Hoffman, and this is Gabe Hoffman, the quiet guy from the second row here. He is... Uh, He's sitting in this morning to do the teaching, and we're going to continue the Second Corinthians series on generosity, and I'll let Gabe uh, tell you about himself. All right. Ooh, face ID. There we go. So, um, first off, um, my name's Gabe Hoffman. Nice to meet you this morning. Um, this is my wife, Marcy. You saw my two boys up here. They are bigger than me now. That is kind of crazy. Um, so we have two boys and two girls. Our oldest son, Josiah, is about to graduate in the next couple weeks. So be praying for us. That's uh, very exciting and terrifying. There will be lots of tears. It's the first time for us. And he's headed to Impact 360 and then to Georgia Tech. So that's pretty fun. Um, other thing you need to know is I'm not Gary. So if this is your first time, here, uh, welcome, and you probably want to come back when Gary's actually here. Um, so, and we're still pretty new here, um, and those of you that don't uh, know me, here's a couple things that uh, you need to know. Well, first is that I am a bit of a nerd, right? So I used to actually work for a company called Big Nerd Ranch. Um, and not only that, I carried a briefcase to school when I was in the third grade. <laughs> uh, like for real, I started programming computers when I was 10. And on the Apple IIe, if anybody remembers those wonderful devices. And my mom bought the computer for me. She had been saving up for a uh, dining room table and got me a computer instead. And I've been doing it ever since. So. She is a good mom, and hi, mom. She's watching online. She has a cough this morning, so she's not here. But I've been doing that ever since. And so I'm an engineer by training. I do computer science-y things and software development. That's my day-to-day -day job. So I'm the lead engineer on, a, on the point-of-sale team at Chick-fil-A for the app that the kids, the 15-year-old kids, use in the drive-thru to swipe your credit cards and order chicken, and it kind of just has to work so that they can still be kind to you uh, and not let the app get in the way. And uh, it's, a, it's hard, I'll tell you that. Um, we're redoing a bunch of things, uh, but I love it. I love building things. I love figuring out how things work. I love all of, all of those things. And uh, that's probably going to be a little bit of how we're going to take a look at things this morning. How does stuff work? Asking those questions. And... Um, I'm excited to just dive into some scripture with you guys. But you might be wondering, uh, what's a software engineer doing up here? Uh, that's a fair question. But what you also need to know is that I come from a long line of pastors. I'm talking like 150 years of pastors uh, that have been involved in planting and running and developing churches around the Atlanta area. And if you grow up with a bunch of pastors, and that is like you're in church, then you'd be wondering how any of those people end up on stage and God ends up saying anything through them. So <laughs> it is a perfectly fine question. 
And uh, the simple answer is that Scripture does all the work, right? You just get up here and you talk about it. So all you got to be willing to do is get up in front of a bunch of people and talk about Scripture, and God does all the work. So it takes a lot of pressure off when Scripture is doing all the work. So my big goal this morning is to let you hear uh, from Scripture and to get out of the way. And then uh, probably the last thing that you need to know um, is even though I work on the point-of-sale team, sales is like my least favorite thing ever as an engineer, right? And so asking people for money, talking about money, that would be like my least favorite idea ever. Um, so you can sit comfortably knowing we're probably not going to talk about money. I'm sure Gary would never do that to me. My first time teaching at Grace is probably, probably not that that we're talking about this morning. So um, open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's see where we're at. I'm going to read out of the ESV if you want to change the settings on your Bible app for those of you that are techie. And let's just see what God has for us this morning and see where we're headed, and uh, we're just going to pick up right where Gary left off and, uh, and dive right in. So, Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help. I have been boasting to you, I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia, that you and Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I'm sending these brothers to be sure you're really ready, as I have been telling them that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some of the Macedonian believers came and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not a one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. Hmm. Well, that's embarrassing, right? That's, I was hoping we'd be talking about interesting theology or something other than that. Maybe we should just skip over the money stuff. And... Uh, <laughs> Because I've been in a lot of church services. I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. And I know that anytime we get the verses about God loves a cheerful giver, uh, we are like minutes away from a red thermometer and a giving campaign. And I feel like when we drove in this morning, there was construction <laughs> happening. And then I, I didn't even know this was coming today, but budgets. That's, we're about to vote on budgets, and the past few weeks we've had this giving expert on stage, John, thanks for coming up, he'll be up here later this morning, um, so this is probably a, a giant fundraising exercise, is what must be happening, 
Um, and that's really why you bring in guest speakers is so that you can get them to do the work, <laughs> right? I mean, if you, is it just me that's feeling that way? Um, so I have good news and I have bad news about that. Um, good news is, because again, I, I straight up asked Gary, uh, it's like, there isn't like a building fund coming up, right? Like that's, that's not really happening. And he's like, no, that's not happening. I mean, we're going to talk about the budgets because that's what we do every year this time of year because um, that stuff always comes up. Um, and more good news is I'm not an expert on uh, giving campaigns at all. So if that was the plan, then they didn't plan very well. Um, but the bad news is that... Um, it's so much worse than you're thinking. Um, <laughs> this is just where we are in Scripture. And Gary thinks this is good for our souls to talk about. And if we put it into practice, it'll be good for us. Like, doesn't that drive you a little nuts about Gary? Like, he's really concerned that this is good for your soul. And he wants you to interact with it and do something about it. And I just can't find an agenda with him. Like he's not, I can't find the angle other than I think he honestly cares about our souls. And uh, he wants to like shepherd your soul and like cares and ask those questions. So um, if you're new here, you just need to know what you're getting into. We're just going to deal with scripture and actually try to put it into practice and it kind of sounds like crazy talk these days, but it's actually pretty amazing. And truthfully, I, I love Gary for it, and I love all of you uh, and the way you embrace um, Scripture that way. So, good job there. Um, so we find ourselves in these passages that are all about this giving and this generosity. And John has these videos we've been interacting with every week. Uh, we got another great one this morning with perspectives about what generosity looks like and sounds like. So we're just going to talk about it. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. And, oh, one more thing is I, I mentioned that I am an engineer, right? So you just probably need to know that your level of discomfort has no effect on me. It's sort of a, <laughs> a nerd superpower is my discomfort can affect you, but your discomfort does, I just, it won't, I won't pick up on it. So uh, I'm not sure where this is going to hit you this morning, um, but I really just, uh, I trust Gary's heart. I'm, I'm curious to why Paul is pushing into this, and I really just trust uh, Scripture to be the authority for how we should live. So we need to understand uh, what this passage is talking about. So when we left off, Paul was talking about these churches that are having a hard time and how this group of people in Corinth has been so generous in the past and promised more help. And Paul is sending some people down to pick up this gift um, that God has given to them to transfer it to some other people. Um, and both people would end up more blessed and God was going to be glorified in this whole process. And Gary has this big question uh, that he is throwing at us of what causes our lives to be trustworthy. And we've seen a couple answers over the weeks, but the one we're talking about this morning is this idea of extravagant generosity. So here's my big point for the morning. So all the kids that want to be able to answer the question that are left over, there are not too many of them, but teenagers anyway, um, I'm going to give you my big point. And, and more importantly, for my wife and kids that 
might be wondering at various times what does he think he's talking about. Here is the big point up front. The practice of living generously transforms you. And how does it do that? It does it by connecting you to the source of creation, allowing that generative power to flow through you to others. And the picture that I want you to have in your minds is the picture that generosity allows us to be rivers and not mud puddles, streams instead of swamps, these life-giving channels instead of toxic collections of dead and dying and rotten stuff. So that's, that's the picture that I want you to have in your mind as we're looking uh, through here. So let's look at this passage again and make some observations. And I just want to give a shout out to uh, some friends that we had over last night uh, for their added insights. Uh, we just kind of opened this up and I asked them what they saw. And um, it's just such a good reminder that that process of making observations from Scripture and doing that uh, work of interpretation and then following through to application is just best done as a practice in community. So thanks everyone that helped <laughs> with that. But first observation is that the passage starts with some very practical logistics talk, right? Like it's a helpful reminder of the things that you said that you wanted to do. And Paul is trying to preserve people's honor and dignity. He's not trying to coerce them at all, but trying to help them follow through on healthy practice. This is something that they are wanting to do, and he's like, hey, let's just make sure that we get these details right. And the other thing that I think is interesting here is he wants, you, he wants them to have everything set up in advance. Um, it's like when you have some people over and you want to kind of have all the food set out before they come. Yesterday we had some friends over, some old friends, and um, they were coming in the early afternoon. We didn't have time to get like the full spread out for them as they were coming over. And so they sat down and Marcy is like just pulling out all the things, just creating the thing. But the whole time they're going, no, no, that's too much. And you're like, no, it's not. But it, it feels better to have it all out there. Kind of like, I don't know if anybody's made this mistake, hopefully not. But like last week was Mother's Day. And if you, you know, go shopping for the Mother's Day gift that afternoon, it doesn't, it's not quite the same thing as if it's there with the cards and the flowers the morning of. Like it, it comes across a little different. Um, maybe that's just me. But um, so my big observation number one is that generosity is supposed to feel good. And if it doesn't, you're doing it wrong. Right? It's, a, it's sort of, I think I get some of that from the Chick-fil-A has a bit of a culture of it's supposed to be fun. So generosity is supposed to feel good, uh, even if you're doing it wrong. So do the logistic work, set the stuff up ahead of time so that it feels better. And then there's that whole part about um, your, God loves a cheerful giver. So you're supposed to be cheerful about it. It's supposed to feel a certain way. And you can kind of read that, or at least I've read that in the past, to mean if uh, don't do it if it doesn't feel good. Right? I, I kind of, you can kind of flip the logic around, be like, I wonder if that's what it means. But I think what it means is you need to keep doing it until it does feel good. Right? Like if the verse said, God loves people who work out and are glad to go to the gym, because God loves the cheerful weightlifter. <laughs> like, I, like, that wouldn't mean don't go to the gym if you don't feel like it. I mean, I wish it did mean that. Um, 
but it means that you need to get used to working out. Why? Because it's good for you. And God loves things that are good for you because he loves you. This is something that God wants for you is for it to feel good. So generosity is supposed to feel good. If it doesn't, you're doing it wrong and you just need some more practice. Like, that's what it means. Sorry. Interesting note. Um, Paul is quoting from um, the Greek Proverbs. And so Psalms and Proverbs are like the commentary and the explanations of that shared history of the people of Israel. And so you need to know some Old Testament stuff that I'd love to get into if we had more time. Uh, But Paul is trying to paint this word picture with these quotes. You'll see it like in a lot of translations. It's in quotes or it's it's bracketed slightly different. Um, You can kind of think of uh, Psalms and Proverbs as like the director's commentary on the story of the people of Israel. Or if you're a Marvel fan, um, and the whole MCU, there's all the YouTube videos talking about the movies that are happening. We watch a lot of those in our house. And um, you can just sort of, these phrases that Paul is pulling out creates this whole picture just with a few words of things. And so you need to understand the picture that Paul is creating. Because with a few words, you can create a whole big imagery, right? Like, so if I say, with great power comes great responsibility like you just know that and also what's about to happen if if you hear somebody say those words she's gonna die yeah that's 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 just that's how it goes you just know it like it's part of the story if you see somebody with a shield that says I can do this all day like there's a whole big thing that's being referenced there and so you have to remember that that is what is being created uh, with that phrase. So it's from Proverbs 22 um, that he's quoting. And it starts off with the phrase, or the, the few verses there, of that a great name is to be chosen over great riches. And he's referencing this whole chapter about what it means to be uh, a sower and one who puts out a lot of seed that is wise with his investment. And then he's going to, Combine it with this quote from Isaiah 55. So let's look at that in that uh, verse 9. They give and they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good needs will be remembered forever. And let's just keep going. Um, For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. So we have this picture there of blessings flowing from God, going out broadly to all these places intentionally and with breadth. And that what you're going to do for others will be remembered. And so the second big observation I'd like to make is that blessings flow through you to others from God. So It's that idea that generosity is this stream, that you're blessed to bless others. 
And this is a pattern that's all over scripture. And then when this blessing flows out of you, it creates gratitude and thanksgiving with others and flows back to God, uh, glorifying him. And what Paul is doing here with this language is painting this picture from these different places in scripture, a sort of mini snapshot of the very gospel message itself, right? That the, a gift is going out, it's going into the ground, it dies, and this new creation is welling up and, and springing up from um, the stuff that's going out. So that's the picture that Paul wants uh, you to have in mind, that the generous living is supposed to bring forth this imagery that he wants the Corinthians to see themselves as being a part of that story, to play that role in the story. And that part of the story is actually part, is related to that big, big story of Scripture. The story that good news starts with creation all the way back in Genesis. That God wants us humans to be his hands and his feet, to be conduits of blessing for all of creation. And the story is not just of salvation, which is amazing, but the good news of a God who made everything, sees it, loves it in his broken state, entered into it, redeemed it, is recreating it, and is inviting us into that new creation life. So why should we be generous? Why is it transforming? Because we have an opportunity to be connected to the source of creation. That same power can flow through us. And we have the creativity um, available to us in infinite abundance, abundance if we just tap into that flow and get out of the way. That's the invitation. And do you remember how last week Gary said that the desire to be generous isn't generosity? You actually have to do it. Well, that's just kind of like it's a, if a pipe is connected, but it's still closed, it, it doesn't have any flow. You have to open up the valve in your life to let the stuff go through us in order to have that flow. And without flow, your little pond of stuff is just going to get stinky. It'll start to rot. It's not life-giving. Um, it has to flow for a transformation to happen. It doesn't really matter how big your pool of resources are, whether it's a little puddle or a whole sea. Without the flow, it just it, it stinks. And it'll start to smell bad, and things will start to die. So we want a lot of flow. And not just like a little trickle, but like a whole you know, fire hose of generosity. That's the kind of flow that I want anyway. So I want to wrap up with some observations about flow. Um, first, uh, you're just managing the flow, right? You aren't the source of all the good things. And I find that really freeing. I'm not the source of the creativity. I'm not the source of where this stuff is going. I'm just managing what God has given me. So authentic generosity is really an exercise of stewardship. It didn't come from you. It's not your stuff. It never was. It's just flowing through you. Flow uh, also means that you can only be generous with what you have, specifically what you have today. And then tomorrow you can be generous with what you have tomorrow. You don't have to steward anything more than what you have right now. Real generosity is an exercise in faith, faith that more is coming. But more is not coming until tomorrow after today's is gone, right? Like, it's unsettling. It's, uh, it's one of those things that apparently doesn't get easier over the years. Faith still feels like faith. Whether you're 15 or 45 or 75, 
it still feels uncomfortable from what I hear. And so far, I can tell you it's true. Uh, next thing is flow connects you to God, but also connects you to other to connects others to God through you. Because we see that in this passage of how God's people are connected by these blessings moving around. They give thanks and we become partners with them. So this extravagant generosity is an exercise in connection, both to God and to each other. It feeds community, both like literally everybody brings food and figuratively uh, through connection. And flow puts you into the big story, right? Paul wants you to see yourself in this giant unfolding story of good news. And he's weaving these words together from the songs and the stories of the Old Testament so you see yourself caught up into this epic tale. So simple generosity is an exercise in living out the gospel. And the final big reason that I think we should focus on this idea of flow, and that I, I think this is a very fitting word picture, is because I think flow matters more than the outcome, right? God's going to take care of the outcome. He has enough stuff. He doesn't actually need your stuff. It's just you get to be a part of it. God has ways of working all this stuff out, and only some of them actually get to involve you, get to involve us. Generosity is your chance to get in the game and level up, to increase your flow, not so that you get more stuff, because there's actually no point in that. You hear people say that when you die, you can't take any of your stuff with us. And that's not exactly true. Uh, we do take something with us, right? We, we take ourselves. That person in the mirror follows you through to the other side. And if your flow isn't big here, then what's going to happen when you get a better connection? You still are getting in the way of uh, abundant, generous flow. So if you think about it, we aren't really lacking for anything here. You can be generous right now. You can up your flow right now. That valve just needs to be opened. And you ask God to show you where. I, that's, that's really between you and God. So if you feel a lack of flow in your life, it isn't because of a lack of abundance. It's because the valve isn't open. And we're not talking about money exactly. Yes, money is a part of it. But I remember last week that LIFE acronym where they were talking about your labor your influence, your finances, your expertise. What about your house? That's kind of what hospitality is. What about your successes at work? What about your attention span? We have a whole economy that's developed around your attention span, right? We all have the same amount. And what are you doing with your focus and your attention that is generous to those in need and to the Lord? Is that, is that too much? We're good there. Uh, I don't, don't want to make you uncomfortable. I know in particular, um, you know, teenagers can find that uncomfortable. Um, but your attention is a resource that you can be generous with or you can completely waste. So generosity is all of those things. Generosity wants all of that stuff so that you can have even more stuff, not so that you can store it up, but so that the people around you can be blessed more. Money's just a small part of this whole flow state stuff, right? If you think about it, money actually should be like the easiest thing um, to make flow because that's kind of the point of money. I was thinking about it this week. And if you're needing to um, get some value from some point to another point, 
money really is kind of the easiest way to make that work. Um, that's kind of probably why they talk about it in terms of liquidity, because it, it flows really well. If you imagine a world like before money and you wanted to eat at Chick-fil-A and you had to do work before you could eat, <laughs> it'd be really inefficient. That would be terrible. Um, and so money is kind of cool in that it lets you kind of collect value and it lets it flow in interesting ways. Um, it lets that flow between like space and time, right? Because if you're saving money, it's just flowing into your future. And I guess that makes debt money flowing into your past. But we're really just talking about money right now. Um, very clever invention, money. I'm thankful for that. But money is just a small part of the stuff that you've been entrusted with. And Paul wants you to enter into the big story with all of your stuff. And we are just in the early rounds of this very long, long story. And new creation is just getting started. So don't you want that life-giving power flowing through you, working itself out in you right now? So my challenge to you is to connect to the source, to remove those obstacles in the pipes and open up the valve wide and watch the goodness of God flow through you. Get out of the way. Let God do only what God can do. Remove those ways of thinking that block the flow that is promised to us from an abundantly, overflowingly generous creator. He created a lot of stuff, right? Like it's like creation is big. You ever think about how much stuff is out there? Like it's really too much. If you just go out there at night and look at the stars, if it was just a fraction of the size, it would be already too big. But it's, it's so abundantly, ridiculously too big. Um, that is what you have the opportunity to connect to that wants to flow through you and bless the people around you. So we are going to um, see a video here in a second about this man named Hannington that was able to unblock a whole village's flow in the midst of war uh, you can see how this generosity uh, poured out and blessing and transformation and this life-giving creativity. So we're going to watch a video. John's going to come up here. We're going to talk about it in groups. But if you want to go ahead and hit that video, we can... As I reflect back on the journey of my life, I think about how God directed me to Kampala for that workshop. I had a burden for my church to give from their hearts and not out of duty. But I never thought it would take such a horrible situation for me and my town to realize that we all needed to change. The ADF army overtook many regions of Western Uganda, forcing over 80,000 survivors into the turmoil and destitution of refugee camps. As the war raged on, hope along with the moral fiber of the people faded. But there was one who chose to inspire through generosity and gracious giving, and this is his story. My name is Huntington Bahemuka, but most people call me Bishop Huntington. The life in the camps was very bad because families would crowd in the shack houses, children would go without food for one, two, three days, water was not available, and death started resulting within a short time. 
kandi obwiro butwararaganjara tugiyesala babaguri maka gwa lukumurwenda kienda na msanje bakabona bona obobolemo baka 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 hoyo mabara kwenda school baka balaga kitabo kibabura ndi bibakala kubona bona how can i lord how can i help them out of this situation while everything around him was disintegrating, war could not destroy Hennington's commitment to effective stewardship. The Lord spoke to my heart about putting into practice what I had learned at the International Steward Workshop. I had been told that everything we have belongs to God. So even in this refugee camp, God has put abundant resources for his work. So I called upon the believers to start sharing what they have with the needy. In the camps, we started a campaign to provide blankets to the orphans, and it was the first time we saw the principles come to life. They were very cold. After two miserable years in captivity, it was safe to return home to Bundibujo, only to find that all had been destroyed. The houses had been torn down, the farms had nothing in them, churches had been demolished, schools were devastated, so we started from scratch. The need seemed too great, leaving the people asking the all too common question, how can the people from the West help us? However, Huntington inspired his people to ask a different question. I ask, how soon can my people rise to the challenge of funding, not only their immediate needs, but their futures as well? I told the people at that time that God has given us everything we need to rebuild our community. And what he needed was others to make themselves available to him, and he was going to use us. And those of us who are mechanics, those of us who are business people, they can use their gifts and the trade that they have to build their community. About giving, and through that, the pastors went around teaching. So, through that, the message was spread. One by one, person by person, the idea caught on. And before they knew it, the town was being transformed. We began to rebuild our churches, provided homes and schooling for the orphans, and the needs of the people were met. The people understood that they needed to create wealth in order to allow for tangible generosity. By using their God-given gifts and resources they already possessed, a cycle of sustainability was established. We have a lady in our church. She is lame, but one day we were calling upon people to bring their gifts to come and build a church. And today, the church she worships in uh, is made of bricks, and we look at that as a wonderful example of gracious giving. Children of the earth. 
And this message can work in every situation, in every country, because surely generosity is transformational. Out of the jungle of war and destruction, one pioneer leader, inspired by generosity, shared the vision with his community. No longer waiting for outside relief, the grace of giving has replaced a welfare mentality, and an entire town was rebuilt. That's an awesome video. So what, what sticks out to you? Or no, we're going to talk about, before we do that, we're going to do the group thing. Yeah, that's Set a good that idea. Up. By the way, if the engineering thing doesn't work out for you, comedy is <laughs> a certainty in your future, All right. Gabe. All right. So why don't you take uh, five minutes, get together in small groups like we've been doing, four or five people, mix it up a little bit if you can, uh, and just talk amongst yourselves about what truth you saw in that film that really spoke to you, that really moved you. Okay, small groups, about five minutes.
All right, let's pull this back together. It's fun to get to talk in church. Wrap up your thoughts. Notice how they get louder when you start I, talking? I, I noticed that. I wasn't going to call them out. And even louder now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. So I'm, I'm curious. Obviously, I'd love to hear from everyone afterwards as well. But what hits you from that story? Like, what are some quotes that, are just, that stick out to you? Well, yeah, I mean, I've seen the film a few times now over the last couple of years, and the the crippled woman giving her only chicken just blows me away every mm. single time. Yeah. Um, like, I want to talk to her about that. I want to ask her, what were you thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I want to be more like her. Yeah. Uh, I'm not giving away my only chicken for anything. Right. I, I've got flow and I feel good about that, you uh-huh. know, Cassandra and Zach and I, we have flow in our lives. The water's not getting stagnant, but there's something about, I don't know, the power, the symbolism of that one and only chicken. And then you see the church mm-hmm. and she's got this huge smile on her face. Yeah. I, the one that blows me away is uh, that everything we have belongs to God, even in this refugee camp. God has put abundant resources for his work. So I called on all the believers to share with the needy. And you're like, y'all are needy. Like, how, that's, that takes a lot of faith to believe that yeah. the resources are there. Yeah. It, so clearly the biblical principles apply in all contexts, Crazy. right? Uh, they transcend culture and geography and nationality and all of that. And so it's not, yeah, the, the, the verses are not just for the wealthy. And everybody uh-huh. in this room is wealthy. Uh, maybe the problem is it's harder for us to practice it in our wealth. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like it. So where do you see us in that story? Like where, yeah. Yeah, so here's the question for Grace in, the, you know, in that story. What's our war? What, um, what are we in, in this next season of life for Grace? What is in ruins that God's calling us to rebuild? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, what sort of restoration can we bring to the society around us? Um, what kind of flourishing can we imagine? You saw the flourishing in the film, mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful thing. And you see the joy on their faces. They, they weren't angry or despondent. They didn't give reluctantly. They weren't regretting the whole thing. Right. Uh, so what is that for us in this next season? The, when he was talking in the video about how there's war and there are refugees for a couple of years, and then they came back home and everything was you know, devastated, um, I can't help but to find ourselves a little bit caught in that same story of we just survived a pandemic, yeah. right? And now we're finally getting back into life and you're, you're probably stepping back into places only to find out like 
it's not the same as you left it. Right, so we can be in that space, look, use that as a rationale or an excuse or whatever we want. Um, or we can, we can model what our brothers and sisters in Uganda have demonstrated to us, you know, in their, in their despair, which I think is a, a, a bit deeper and darker than for many of us. Yeah. They step forward in faith, they allow the flow, and look at the beauty, look at the joy in their lives as a result of that. So what's your, what's your time chicken or your attention chicken that you definitely don't want to let go of, right? I feel like yeah. that's the one that is convicting I'm glad that's a rhetorical me. question, by the way. I didn't know <laughs> yeah. if you were asking me that yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> right, because I think about all, like I remember how crazy the pace of life was before the pandemic. And then you had a break from it. Now you're starting to get back into the craziness that is sports and school and you know, we're, we're, Samantha was joking about May. May is busy. Um, and so I feel like we're actually very much in poverty for a time and attention, or at least we live in a way that feels like we are very uh, poor in that way. Yeah, your point about attention earlier really spoke to me for sure. Because uh, I'm, I'm, you know, like I'd win awards on multitasking, and at least I think I would, and that comes at a cost. Yeah. So uh, this is the last week that you're going to be up here. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, final question to you is uh, just a personal question of mm-hmm. why do you like talking about money and asking people for money? <laughs> like what? So I'm going to pull a Gary thing on you. Why do you have a problem talking about money? <laughs> <laughs> oh. but, but I will answer your question. All right, thanks. So, <laughs> Give me a second to think about that. <laughs> um, you know, it's about invitation. And I've been, I've been thinking about this, right? So in the moments in my life where either somebody's invited me into something or I've invited somebody into something, I have such vivid memories of those moments, Gabe, like they happened yesterday. Like hmm. on Long Island as a kid, when Robbie Rosero picked me to be on his street hockey team, that was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that moment. I didn't I, have that moment. Y- sorry? I didn't have that moment. Well, I'm sorry for you, and, and we could talk later if, if you'd like. <laughs> but, you know, there, there were those moments. Yeah. Um, my dad was an electrician, when, and so I would go on jobs with him all the time. And I'd watch him use the lineman pliers. And when that moment came when he invited me to wire the electrical device, I'm speaking yeah. your language now, I yeah, think yeah, you're an no, engineer, right? Like, exciting. that was an honoring moment. Yeah. He trusted me. Because there's a lot of power in that wire. Uh, he invited me in, so I remember that. Uh, when, when my buddy Roy led me to Christ at, six, at 16 and I invited Christ into my life, I know where I was sitting. I remember Roy was to my left. Uh, when after seven years, I invited Cassandra to marry me, I remember that moment. So there's power in the moment of invitation. And so, yeah, when I get to sit before somebody and invite them into what God's doing to build his kingdom by giving generously, whether it's time, talent, or treasure, uh, those are holy moments. I love them. Uh, Honestly, it's a bit addictive. I just love doing it. And and when I do it and I see the joy that comes for this family, when they get to see the part they've played in building God's kingdom, like... Uh, why would I not want to do that? That's a good answer. <laughs> I mean, That's I, all you got I'm for almost, me? I mean, I'm thinking, like, I, I feel like you're, you're probably right. That, that feels like that'd be more fun. Try it. I Try know. It. I should. I can talk people into wonderful things like this ember mug. This keeps my coffee warm through the entire 
service. That's pretty fantastic. I can mm. invite people into that. But it, it is. It's seeing it as part of that bigger story and that invitation. Paul is setting us up in Corinthians of like, don't you want to be a part of this? This gift is too great that's for right. words. So clearly, that's, right. that's the way he's thinking about it. If you all remember one thing, uh, and, it ha- and it's not anything Gabe said or anything I said, uh, remember the smiles on their faces yeah. in Uganda after rebuilding their village because that's what it's all about. How proud they were of it. The joy that they were feeling, yeah. All right. Um, well, I actually don't know what happens next. <laughs> I think you pray. We, we're praying? We're praying out? All right. Um, yeah, you're not singing again, right? You, you want to do that part? Yeah, all right. I, wasn't, I didn't uh, get past me and you on the flow. So let's uh, come on back up. Let's do that thing. We'll get out of the way. Stand together. We're going to sing, Come to the River. Come to the river, God's abundance of his flow. Let our lives tap into those things that are life-giving and not the stagnant puddles.